0: Well, guys, it has been a hot minute since I had recorded a guest interview, February 19th to be exact. So just shy of three months. So um, in this three months, life has happened as it does. And I had apologized to the guest that it was taking me so long. And they are the real deal. They are a therapist and they were so supportive, said all the affirming things that forget the episode. Your well being and mental health is so much more important. Your family needs you, you need yourself, you need to be there for yourself. Um, the podcast can wait. So I just wanted to tell that to you, just so that you know going into this, that they are, again, the real deal. They walk the talk. They are beautiful. And it is such a delight on my behalf to be the one to make this introduction. It's because it's going to be love. (laughs) This little matchmaker. (laughs) Um, I think that's one of the awesome roles that I take on as a podcast host when I have guests on is that I get to fulfill the secret fantasy of being a matchmaker. (laughs) And it might not be for marriages, but it is definitely a bringing together of like-minded souls. So get ready to meet your next, I don't know, soul connection. Uh, by the name of Katie Willett. They're amazing. All right, so there's a lot has that's different in the last three months since this uh, episode was initially recorded. My background here, if you're watching on YouTube, is different, complete with my one of my paintings from many, many years ago. Um, I look different on the outside. I have these fun eyelash extensions. And on the inside, boy, I feel really, really different. Uh, we're in this eclipse portal. Um, I've been through the Ecstatic Forest Festival. I feel like I am definitely a different person than I was when I recorded this three months ago. So and it's exciting, it's exciting. Um, what else did I want to mention? I think that the timing is really neat. You'll hear Katie and I talk about Holisticism Hub several times in this interview. So guess what? I found another cool person in Holisticism Hub through Free Offering Fridays, Caroline of Ninth House Life. She was offering these free one-on-one One on one um, clarity calls. She's a psychic. So I had that meeting with her on Sunday evening, and she doesn't know anything about me. But she was connecting and she said, Do you offer, is one of your offerings related to human design? I'm like, Actually, yes, it is. She said that my guides were telling her that. I needed to use human design as the container for my sessions and then kind of just into it what the person I'm working with, what they need. And, I'm, and just pick from my different tools that I've accumulated, whether it's numerology or hypnosis or dream work, et cetera. Again, tailor the experience to that person and to offer them for free, um, at least initially, until I get a feeling of the flow or exactly what I want it to look like, what feels more com- most comfortable for me. And she really encouraged me to add um, Reiki to it. Those of you who are familiar with my offerings, you know that I am Reiki level one. Certified, but I hadn't really done anything with it. So she encouraged me to really move forward with that. So I will be trying to incorporate that more into my sessions. And I had to create a name for it. So I called it Sandbox Healing Adventures. So we'll we'll see what comes of it. But yeah, feel free to take advantage of that. I'd love to meet you inside the sandbox and see what see what comes up. Um but speaking of timing, okay, so that happened sun Sunday night. Well, Monday I I completely changed up my website uh to offer these sandbox healing adventures and kind of get rid of all the other smaller offerings so that I can combine it into this one larger container. And because so, I don't like to wait. <laughs> so, those of you who know me, like, just to just do it. So that instant gratification. So I did that Monday morning. Monday afternoon, so we're talking about yesterday. Um, I was working some more editing, doing some last-minute editing on the podcast. And I come across the part in the interview where we talk about that exact same thing of creating, like, a toolkit and being able to tailor you're offering to your client to exactly what it is that they need, because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Everyone's different. Their needs are different. And I'm like, holy cow, it's three months later. And I've just chained, had this amazing session with Caroline and I completely overhauled that page on my website. And guess what? I'm it's just coming full circle to this conversation that I had with Katie. So feel free to go onto my website, aprillific.com and you'll see that there on the first page. Um, what else? Um, this conversation that I had with Katie was initially two hours long and I was able to edit it down to one and a half hours, which now... I'm probably getting it back closer to two hours with this long-ass intro, but uh, I had to edit out part of it because she felt as though she had spoken to things like medication and things that she wasn't an expert on and didn't feel comfortable like weighing in on that afterwards, after the fact. So I, I, I went and took that out and then there were some t- some places that kind of had to edit out a little bit word here and there where i came across like i knew what i was talking about with this human design this or that just know that so these are my interests my hobbies whether it's human design numerology definitely by <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination am i a expert at all so if you come across um, a lie, <laughs> a non fact, fake news uh, that I say in the podcast, just just shake your head and be like, oh, April. <laughs> and feel free to send me an email too. And that way I can do a public retraction. <laughs> that would be fine with me too. So, anyway, just really sit back and enjoy this conversation with Katie. You're going to love them. Uh, If you are enjoying this podcast, you're enjoying what I'm putting out there, the most concrete way of supporting me and my work is through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Aprilific, and I'll have that link in the show notes. But I have two tiers of support. One's $5 a month. The other is $10 a month. I call my supporters. Um. Well, it's part of my thunder because a pack of dragons is called a thunder. So I just love that. So please feel free to join my thunder. It's pretty small, intimate group. There are two people in there right now hanging out with me and their support. They've been with me for over a year now. So I want to give a huge thank you and shout out to Courtney and Becky. You guys rock. Um, yeah, I I just love you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So if you want to join us over there again, patreoncom forward slash aprilific Again, uh, what I, I think where I started to go with that is that the money from that helps cover the cost of website, domain name, etc. So it's a really fun hobby doing all of this, and this just helps me keep it going. Or another way that's not monetary, but is very meaningful to me is love letters, aka fan mail, aka any kind of communication. <laughs> Actually, not any kind. I prefer the love letters. You can send me an email to aprolific at gmail.com, or we can put some use to the podcast email address for a change. That's the sandbox pod at gmail.com. So, or if you would like to be featured on the podcast, you can go to my website, aprilific.com, click on the speak pipe icon and leave a question, comment, or concern on there. And you can do so anonymously, anonymously if you wanted. And I would love to feature that on my next show okay I think that's probably enough hoopla <laughs> let's get on to the show thank you well thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox I'm April Don Scheffler and I invite you to play with me and my guest today Katie Willat. welcome Katie
1: thank you so much I'm excited to be here <laughs>
0: Well, in this segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house and being the benevolent host that I am, your order is on me. So what order do you give the barista? I need a
1: mocha, no whip, extra shot, because right now I need all of the energy and none of the sweetness, but like you can't go wrong with a little bit of chocolate.
0: (laughs) You're talking to the right lady. I love chocolate. (laughs) Oh, well, now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. Sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing small, but sometimes it can also look like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Katie, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Uh, That's a good question. I wish I could
1: say that I've published a book like one of your previous guests that was such a great pandemic win but I have done a lot of different workshops on the intersections of identity between really all of the parts of ourselves that are hidden behind the mask we wear at various workshops but those were all in the pre-pandemic times and do those even exist anymore I do They do. Know. They
0: do and they're coming back. Oh my guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversations, something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose the word bamboozle. So you're tasked to try and somehow fit that word into our conversation today. Okay. Okay. Now you also get to choose a word for the next guest. To dance with, and it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or something that just resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Hmm. So my business name is
1: Vibrant Life Northwest because I wanted that sense of vibrancy. But yesterday when I was playing with words for this, I actually picked up Vivid and it's got that same visceral, like you want it to make that beautiful, memorable image. But I don't know. It also looks kind of villainous. And I like that. Maybe I've been too into like my Disney princess coffee mugs lately with the dripping
0: apple. But vivid. <laughs> is mm. the one use. Well, it speaks to your work too of combining the different aspects of ourselves. So I like that the... Vivaciousness and the villain all kind of swirled together. Vivacious, that's a good word too. See, V words are just a little bit sexier. They are. They are. So, Katie, how can people find out more about you and what you're making in your own sandbox?
1: Yeah. So, you can find me at Vibrant Life Northwest. And my tagline is I'm a queer therapist who lives in the woods. I help people really reclaim control over their stories and find the tools for their own sandbox that help them to grow and thrive. And for me, that looks like a lot of self-compassion work and a lot of mindfulness work and the occasional full moon ritual, because we all need that dedicated, intentional time to say, this isn't working for me anymore and I don't want it, or please let me call in some goodness. So that's my primary. You can find me. I'm always there. And then recently, like one of your previous guests, also on Holisticism over the past two years of the pandemic, how long have we been in this? I've been a member of Holisticism and met with so many cool healers and helped them in so many different parts of their businesses. And I've been leaning more into that as how do I help healers tell their stories? and build their brands and make all of those decisions. Cause there's so many, and I had amazing mentors when I was starting out as a therapist, but you know, there are a lot of websites that don't tell you who the people are on the other side. So I've been having fun redesigning friends websites and I'm thinking that is something I would like to do more of in 2022 is how do I help practitioners build their stories? I'm just curious if you've checked out my website and how it, and how you graded it. <laughs> ooh, I have not. I looked at your Medium articles, and I was very impressed by your writing. And I looked at your podcast, but I don't think I actually looked at your straight-up website.
0: Okay, yeah, I was just curious. Like, ooh. Another thing that occurred to me as you were talking is the full moon, we just went through a full moon in Leo. And I was listening to the uh, podcast by Dr. Michael Lennox. And he was talking about how it was more of a difficult full moon, because we had that squaring um, the nodes, our north and south node. I enjoy astrology, but there's a lot they don't know about. But when he said that there was a lot That was challenging about this particular full moon, in that it was probably shedding a lot of light on stuff that's going to need to be addressed. It wasn't just one of those easier, yeah, just call it all in or release things. It was going to be a little bit more challenging. I found that personally to be true because I had been going through some really uh, difficult, kind of like core story stuff. that it brought to, to light for me that wasn't necessarily very comfortable. And so it wasn't probably the most pleasant of full moon experiences. And I'm still trying to integrate what I unearthed <laughs> through that. But I was interested in what does your full moon uh, ritual look like usually? I mean,
1: I'm a writer. <laughs> so for me, it's really all about writing down my intentions and then calling in the elements in very small ways. I'm a very busy human at this time who cannot do the full extent of the rituals I would like, but I don't think you have to. I think even just lighting a candle, sitting with yourself, doing the deep breathing and really sitting with what do I want what am i working towards what am i carrying with me that isn't mine because i think that that's so pervasive in our culture all of the messages that we're getting for society but also we no longer can feel like other people are always looking out for our best interests so we really really have to in a way that i never thought would be the case i don't think i'd live through a global Pandemic, I didn't think I'd have to constantly make all of these micro decisions around safety and wellness and business and what is the best way forward. And I think that the full moon, the universe, society, all of the things are calling into. The system isn't working anymore. Capitalism isn't working anymore. Having businesses be the ones that make decisions around what's best isn't working anymore. So we have to really sit with, essentially, are we the ones that are broken or is the system broken? I think is a question I'm coming up to a lot.
0: That leads well up into the segment of teachers. I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends all of his pods asking his guests uh, this question. So I ask my guests as well, who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? I was reading your
1: preparation materials for this last night. And I was like, oh, that is such a beautiful question. I have to really think about that. And the first one that came to mind, I was like, oh, this is so both pretentious and cliche, but I'm gonna say it because it's real, which is Gandhi. I have had up on my wall since I was in middle school, be the change you wanna see in the world. And I really followed that and followed that as kind of my guiding light of, I want to be in my community and serve my community, which is why I became a therapist and why I became specifically a queer therapist. And because I am queer, I wanted to serve my queer community, so both both sides of that, queer therapist serving the queer community. I worked at, at Seattle Counseling Service, which is the oldest LGBTQ community health agency in the United States. And my old deputy director liked to say the universe because no one could tell him otherwise. And I would say he actually is one of my other greatest teachers, even though he is not Googleable or researchable in that one of the messages that he really taught me as a beginning therapist and in school, you really taught to so be the blank slate and unconditional positive regard, which I think is incredible and so transformative and so important. And some of my clients would say really hateful things or be not nice to people in their lives. And one of the permissions that he gave me is that it's okay to make your clients mad. It's okay to say, no, that isn't right. Or you shouldn't do that to your partner or that's not an okay thing to say and to push back because maybe it's not safe for the people in their lives to do that or stand up for themselves, but you can do that. You don't have to be afraid of that. I think that's really transformative and a good thing to remember in this positive vibes lifestyle space is that also there is some things that aren't okay, and it's okay to call them out and not in a troll way or a mean way, but just in a like, could we shift that a little bit or challenge that a little bit? So it's a Donnie Goodman, a previously of SES, very transformative teacher for me, in saying essentially it's okay for you to take up space and have an opinion because my program did not say that. And then I would say my third teacher for right now, just because when I am my most stressed out, this is my happy place. And we can all use a happy place right now, but I really love Marie Kondo. (laughs) I think so much of what's going on is again, like out of our control, a little out of reach, intangible, and being able to sort a junk tour and have it be super beautiful, and done just feels good in your soul. And she's just such a little magical sprite of being. I really enjoy the shows I just her vibe. It's
0: just good medicine. One of my articles, I don't know if I put it on medium or not, was about my process of reading the Akashic Records, what I do to connect. And at the moment, it's changed some since then, which it's great to give ourselves permission for things to change. But one of the things that has not changed is really my space needs to be clear. It needs to be clean. I need uh, to not have piles of things everywhere because I just feel like I cannot connect very well when my space outside of me is cluttered. So something about that, I can definitely see how inspiration And I'm not familiar with her personally, but you're saying that she's really like the spark of energy and enthusiasm. So, if there is something that I look at as a chore and I see this person embodying playfulness or vibrancy into that, it can change the narrative around it for me. And oh, maybe I enjoy cleaning out my closet now. Yes,
1: yes. Um, I have so many thoughts on that. I mean, one is, of course, you can't open records if your very present brain is flipping through your room and seeing all of the undone tasks that need to be done. I work a lot with ADHD. So I talk about this all the time. How do you allow yourself to be present when we're constantly scanning our environments? So I think tackling these things can allow you to show up for beautiful mystical work and I love that you are a records reader I'm afraid to say that word because I know I mess it up every time but I think it's really powerful and transformative and I've had some incredible readings over the past year and I love your writing
0: about them it's very beautiful um oh you've read some of the channeled messages (laughs) Katie you may be like the most prepared guest I've ever had
1: Oh my gosh. Well, they were so beautiful. If any of your readers haven't or listeners haven't read your readings, they should. And yes, Marie Kondo is a bright sprite of joy and I think really looks at what objects imprint on us and how do we make sure that we are being mindful stewards of all of the things around us. If you're one in company while you clean out your closet, lately I've gone down a YouTube rabbit hole with the secret slob, whose Canadian mother, just delightful. There is something so soothing to me about watching her declutter a space in seven minutes and be Canadian, which is just, to me, a sign of friendliness and acceptance and the unconditional positive regard of Carl Rogers, but like Canadians all do it. So it doesn't have
0: to be a therapeutic tool. YouTube rabbit holes. Uh, I know I love them. And I'll come across so many YouTube recommendations that I've learned like, while it's being presented to me, I'll go ahead and click on the link and I will save it to my watch later list. Because then later on, when I am just wasting time you know, scrolling through the internet or through YouTube, I can have this, this mother load of great material instead of stuff that Rots my brain. (laughs) So, Katie, do you have ADHD yourself? That's a really great question. I definitely
1: am neurodivergent in my own ways. I recently went to a psychiatrist to see, you know, what are all of the names of what's going on in my brain by someone with more initials than me, which is, you know, a fun game but I think that both she and I have a similar perspective in that it's less about the title and more about what do you need support on today Mm. so I kind of like holisticisms just like we got squiggly brains we're not all just marching forward like clogs in the machine what do you need in this moment most and I try to keep that in perspective because even ADHD presents so differently person to person and which like which systems work for different people is so different person to person.
0: Okay, I'm just curious because one of my best friends is she's been entertaining. Huh? That entertaining sounds like you're being entertained by it, but she's <laughs> entertaining the idea that, or exploring rather, the possibility of being ADHD. And it seems like it's twofold in that it would be a relief to actually have a reason for something and to have a cause and be like, okay, this is why um, I find so many obstacles or challenges or why I'm not accomplishing what it is that I want to do is because I have this thing, this challenge. But on the flip side of that, she's kind of worried that if she does get um, a diagnosis, then does that in its own way set her back? Because now she has a box that she's put herself in. And does she want to go down all the rabbit holes that that presents like with medication and maybe getting dependent on something. There's, you know, I didn't realize how much goes into all of that. as someone explores, am I, or am I not squiggly brained, which squiggly brained, I think people can identify pretty upfront. Okay. Yes. That's definitely me. But with the ADHD, I don't know. So any, any, thoughts or suggestions for someone who is just starting out on the information gathering end? Yes, I have actually so many resources that I can send you, but there
1: are some really good help guides and I'll send you because if you just Google ADHD help guide, you'll go down again, too many rabbit holes and I'll send mm-hmm. you kind of my more clear ones that I like. But I think looking at some more tangible professional resources and seeing does this stuff resonate? Does it not? Looking at getting scheduled with a psychiatrist or psychologist to get an evaluation. Some of that matters more depending on whether you are interested in medication management because you're going to have to have an official diagnosis to try something like stimulants.
0: So if they're exploring ADHD and what their options are, and maybe they're not super excited about going the medication route. What would be some suggestions from you on the best best places to look and to get started? Because yeah, like you said, there's so much information out there and not all of it's helpful.
1: Yes. So I would start with there's a help guide that I dropped in the chat and I'm sure you can link to the show notes, but I would start with a help guide and looking at what are the symptoms of ADHD in various aspects of life? Because one of the reasons why I think this is having its moment in the sun and becoming something that more people are aware of is because ADHD shows up differently in people who were assigned female at birth. And it, oftentimes was caught with like stereotypically, but also like legitimately young hyperactive boys. Those are the cases of ADHD that got caught because they're disruptive, quote unquote, but the other side of ADHD is the inattentive type and the trouble focusing and the trouble falling through and having details that fall through. And those things can not be caught in childhood because Whatever. If you leave something behind, you don't remember your homework, your mom will bring it to school for you or your parent or guardian will take it to school for you. There's all these safety nets and then you come to adulthood and there's no more safety net and you're in college and you start to really struggle, but it wasn't caught in childhood, which is when they look for these Thing. So it's harder to get diagnosed and the older you are, the harder it is to get diagnosed for the first time with ADHD because typically they want to know what happened in childhood and finding reliable narrators for what happened in your childhood and what your teachers thought of you, you know, 20 years ago, not the easiest thing to do. So I think it's really great that there's becoming more awareness of what ADHD is in adulthood and what that looks like. And I also think it's hard. I think it is a hard thing to get diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood. I think finding a good psychiatrist is hard. I think that getting into a psychiatrist is hard because everybody's booked out so many months in advance. So if you don't need a formal diagnosis because you're not interested in med management, I would worry more about what are the tools that I need right now in order to thrive? Because the reality is for some people, medications are transformative. For some people, they can't stay on them or they don't want to stay on them. For some people, they work really great for an eight hour med window. And then the evening hits and they're, they come home from work and their house is still a mess that needs tackled. So that's why I really love on TikTok domestic blisters some of these other people that I also dropped in the chat because they give people permission to struggle. And I think so much of right now is oftentimes trying to achieve these still like Instagram worthy lives as though we are not in a global pandemic that is putting so much stress on our fight or flight systems and our cognitive load, like we're exhausted. And so it's okay to have a pile of laundry, like that's okay too. So I really like the ADHD resources. I like people learning more about themselves. And I also just wanna give everybody permission to just kind of be struggling right now because things are really hard and not to necessarily stigmatize it or name it or say this is something wrong about me because stuff is just hard.
0: Yeah, it is. It is hard. (laughs) Oh gosh. (sighs) Okay. So I feel like I went on a a side tangent with the ADHD, but I just couldn't, it seemed too, um, too fantastic to let it go without saying something because, and I know my friend is really struggling with that right now. So Anything I can do to help her, I would love to do that. So thank you so much for the information and the links. And I will definitely share those with her as well as put them in the show notes for everybody else. So yes, we met (laughs) kind of through Holisticism Hub. It was one of those things on the free offering Friday. I think I put it out there that if anyone wants to come on the podcast and share what it is that they're doing out in the world, feel free to book here and I had several people take me up on that including yourself so that was really really cool thank you for for saying yes is this your first time on a podcast it is it seems like a good safe warm holding space for my
1: first forte into podcast guesting and no apology necessary for the ADHD side note because I think it's on so many people's minds and it is such a centering thing right now on social media that I think it's valuable to share what are the good Google rabbit holes to
0: go down. Right. Yeah. And speaking of the stress we put on ourselves, I, I don't think I'm squiggly brained. I don't think I have the ADHD. But even without... That I mean, life is hard, and I have the laundry that piles up and things like that. And I think sometimes I'm polarizing. People either love me or hate me. And the people who love me are like, You're doing this and this and this, and you're amazing. And I think to myself in the evenings, well, the fact that I'm here doing a podcast means I'm not folding my laundry. With me writing this article, I'm using that time, not doing something else. I'm not creating home cooked meals for my family. So there are, excuse me, so many ways that you can allow guilt to come in and and just mess with you. Like how it's supposed to look a certain way. And if everything isn't looking the way you think it should, we should all over ourselves, it's it's so bad.
1: We do. And I I think you'll like domestic blisters for that reason. But one of the quotes I heard, I don't know, forever ago, which was essentially, you don't want on your tombstone while the dishes were done. Like... (laughs) You that is want to so find a legacy of all of these beautiful, like your podcast can transform people's lives forever. These articles can touch people. You never know who your messages are reaching at the right time. And that, that could pay off tomorrow and that could pay off three years from now. But I think having stories out there and messages out there available is helpful. It's helpful. Whereas having a pile of laundry or not having it beautifully tucked away that's great for your house obviously I like that I'm on clean talk all day I think that's very soothing and I think that really only serves me and I'm a therapist I mean that's why in so many ways I wanted to be on this podcast I was like I love working one-to-one with people and giving people permission I think everybody should be in therapy squiggly brained or not I think that we are not given opportunities in our culture to sit and focus on ourselves and what do we really want? What are our dreams? What are our desires? What do we need? What's not working for an hour once every two weeks? That's not a lot to ask, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not something we really do because we're running and we're doing all of the things and you have quick chats with friends on the go and you say you're fine because you don't want to burden your friends and So I think therapy is really important. And also there is a huge therapist shortage. It is hard to find a good therapist or to find a therapist to network or to find a therapist you're a good fit with. So I think finding spaces like podcasts, other ways that reach more people, because otherwise I can only help 30, 40 people at a time. Mm -hmm. More people need a safe space to be held. I think you, you're creating a lot of different avenues for that safe holding, and that's
0: really powerful. Oh my gosh, Katie, I think I, <laughs> you're so awesome to <laughs> come in here and uh, just tell me I'm doing all these wonderful things. It's really cool because honestly, I guess I don't, um, I don't, this sounds bad, like I, I'm fishing for it, but I don't hear it a whole lot And so I question a lot, why am I doing this? Is is it just for me? And I think in a way it is for me, which I think any real true therapy is you helping yourself and that helping other people. (laughs) So these great conversations I'm having with people, they help me. And I'm hoping that in the process of me being helped, it's modeling to others. how they can be helped as well, or they can take something from it. So anyway, thank you for all your affirmation today. I'm I'm getting free therapy, Katie. (laughs) Good.
1: I think that's really important. I think it's so good that you do it for you because... Like I said, one of my other current rabbit holes is, is down the marketing rabbit holes. And Google doesn't trust a website that hasn't been around for more than six months. It doesn't trust lack of consistency because it doesn't know if you're gonna start a blog and abandon it in a month or two because we all have projects we've tried and let go of along the way and that's totally fine. But I think if you're doing it for an immediate payoff, you're going to be one of those blogs that just appears because there is no immediate
0: payoff or yeah, there's not, but we're taught that it happens these overnight sensations. And if you just work hard enough or you're just you, <laughs> that things will magically happen overnight. And that has not been reflected in my experience. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so yes finding finding your joy your bliss in the process is is key so
1: and you never know when that will hit I mean how many uh, gosh as a queer therapist I hate that this is the example that's the first one that comes to mind but J.K. Rowling uh, um, she got so many rejection letters before Harry Potter came to be and Well, I personally like to disconnect the author from the product because I think the universe would have downloaded it into someone else, if not her. Appreciate Harry Potter and find J.K.
0: Rowling's beliefs problematic, but I'll just say in conversation with a recent podcast guest, we were talking about that same thing and that being able to separate the person and their personal belief systems from what it is that they are espousing or they're producing or they're championing because we're all flawed in one way or another. And maybe we didn't always believe what we believed today. So if you held against us what we said 30 years ago, whatever, we're not the same person. So I really believe in not canceling something or someone just because of i feel like there can be a separation of between the person and this really great thing that they've put out into the world so we were, we're talking about using personal discretion and not telling someone else what is good or bad or should be believed or not but leaving that up to your own what feels true to you? What resonates and what doesn't? And you know, leaving the rest, you don't have to become militant about it. And mm-hmm. just
1: let yeah, it and I'm just gonna build you back up again. Which is, that I really loved your article. Does not liking people make me a bad spiritual being? Oh yeah, I do think that that's something that people process through, and I do think so much of like what you said is. What is the energy that you're getting from this person? And do you want to let that in?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Katie, I feel like if we let this silence go too much longer, I'm going to launch into (laughs) other therapeutic things. That's going to go into another therapy session (laughs) because I feel seen. It does feel like a very safe place so I can understand why people want to talk to you. Um, but rather than us going into something that's just going to be helpful for me and um, yeah, probably be a little bit too specific in that I wouldn't be able to release it even if I wanted to <laughs> because in relationships with me and other people and the lessons that I'm, I'm learning from that and what it's bringing up that's uncomfortable um yeah let's switch to something that I can release <laughs> and that would be helpful for other people so a uh, queer therapist if you would for the listeners who are not hip on the latest lingo is and I guess sometimes we just don't we don't ask because we don't want to feel like we don't know or we don't want other people to like oh you don't know Queer, do people in the queer community like being called queer, or is there another label if a label is needed? Tell us what what's happening with that because you know, gay I think used to be good and queer was bad. I don't know, has it flip flopped? <laughs> Actually, no, you're like so right. Um,
1: I mean, I would say with this and with all things you should ask a person how they prefer to be labeled rather than assuming or doing a label for them because when I came out so many years ago in Kansas I came out as bisexual but as my journey continued and as my understanding of my own Gender and attraction to different genders and the possibility of more than just the binary evolved, so did my understanding of sexuality because, again, bisexual kind of assumes that there are only two genders and I no longer believed that. So for me, queer encompasses essentially just not straight, just outside of straightness. But you're right that when I came into that term, my brother who is from the older gay generation born in 1969 was like that is a derogatory term that says we are not like other people that's not a good one so I think it's it's very generational and the words that we can reclaim now can be ones that were painful in the past and I think there's also so many new terms that people use if you looked at my dating profile seven years ago I had sapiosexual because it's attracted to intelligence Mm -hmm. like rich Mm -hmm. conversations because I'm like I'm all about that it doesn't really matter any of body stuff is just whatever I'm drawn to the mind and a lot of people talk about being demisexual now and it's a slow warming of attraction based on emotional connection which again, challenge in this world that is very much, swipe left or right, you tracked it or not. So I think there's a lot of different terms. I like queer, for me, it just says, you can define me any way you want as long as it's not straight. <laughs> but I would always check because there are people and generations that that was really painful for that would not like you using that word. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, welcome to with Nally Corner, and today I have my mother as usual, and I have a joke for you. And as the audience, I will say, "What is it?" Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, so what do you call a store that that only serves bagels and donuts? A pastry shop. Whole Foods whole foods That's so not even accurate what do you mean donuts mm, like donuts oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> oh you did you just think it was a regular whole food store yeah. oh my god mom wow <laughs> cause like the holes in the middle. Of yeah. The <laughs> I get it now. Wow. That's embarrassing. Do you have any other jokes? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the same thing, but it's different. What place serves beans and burritos? Taco Bell. Gas station. <laughs> beans and burritos?
1: Yeah. I mean, after with, I mean it's accurate
0: I mean it's accurate with me. Oh gosh. And also pizza I think it's just getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just Okay. Yeah. Close out your segment. Um, Cameron, I want one? just one more. No, I'm... <laughs> it's getting worse. Okay, just say bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> The pronouns that you use, the pronouns have also been somewhat of a a new, a new thing because I'm, I'm 40 and it seems to me that this has only happened like within the last, I, I think it's only gained a lot of traction within the last two years, three, maybe, maybe that's just me from the outside seeing what this is, but you use the pronouns they and them. Is that correct? Okay. I have a problem with that simply because (laughs) of the English. It doesn't, I always, I get stuck on they being plural. And when I hear someone say they, to me, it's either two things. It's either more than one person and I'm going down this narrative in my brain. And then I'm like, oh wait, it's one person. And it just kind of gets me (laughs) befuddled for for a second. Or the other part of that was. To me, it seems a little dehumanizing. Let me just explain. Because when I'm talking to uh, someone um, on the other end of the phone with the phone company or whoever, and they're speaking as a representative for the company, and usually it's not a great experience, something that I'm having to do and looking for a refund for wrong charge or something. And I'm talking about the experience later. I will tell someone they did this or they did that. And it's understood it was just one person, but they were representative of a very non-personalized entity. <laughs> so, and Katie, we can definitely cut this part out and maybe this will just be for me.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I think, I, I think that you are having questions that come up for... A lot of people that aren't queer <laughs> yes aren't queer I was gonna say aren't 14 because the young kids got this shit like they don't even question it they're just like you get to be who you want to be I was be. like
0: it could be the age thing too yeah <laughs> yes
1: um either one and I will say I had a similar journey to you in that I moved to Seattle from Kansas. In Kansas, I was oftentimes, I am sure I was not the only gay one in the room, but when we do those leadership games of if you're, whatever, a cat lover, stand up and just see who's around you that shares community for whatever, rotary, whatever. When it would get to, do you identify as LGBTQ or back then probably just gay, I would be the only one to stand. And there wasn't a conversation about anything beyond the binary. It wasn't until I moved to Seattle and I volunteered at Camp 10 Trees, which is a camp for LGBTQ youth and families of LGBTQ youth, it's an incredible organization that I started meeting people who identified as non-binary or genderqueer. They're young. They don't have limits placed on them. And I was like, you guys have it all figured out. You're amazing. And then I started my internship at Seattle Counseling Service, which I mentioned is the oldest LGBTQ agency in the U.S. And that was in 2017. 2017. The pandemic has fried my ability to have a timeline in my brain. Um, I started at SES in 2013 and one of my fellow interns identified as non-binary and I had the exact same reaction to they, them pronouns of, but like, isn't that plural? And the way that they explained having... And this is kind of a binary explanation in some ways, but embodying pieces of and blending and owning both elements of masculine and feminine so that they is an acknowledgement of all of the parts of themselves instead of only seeing or acknowledging one piece of themselves. And I'm, I'm sure that the younger generations would have a much better way of explaining that and not using binary terminology at all, but um, I'm older too, it's fine. (laughs) So that helped me get over my they as to me a plural because I was like, okay, then it is. And that's okay, that is acknowledging all of the pieces of this person instead of just one aspect of maybe the way that I see them on the outside but isn't acknowledging their truth on the inside. So it's a way of really, really seeing
0: them. It reminds me of the internal family system. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with that being in uh, therapy. And so when we talk about parts therapy or the different pieces of yourself, and that does seem to really resonate because I've, I've met parts of myself that are yeah, stuck being five years old. And then there's more of a masculine and warrior energy. There's there's all kinds of of energies that need to be acknowledged. I recently might <laughs> find myself cutting this out too. If I cut everything out, we're not gonna have a podcast, but I was having a reading recently from Lacey Free and she was doing a superpower reading. That's basically where she connects and tells you what your superpowers are. I'm like, this, (laughs) fabulous. I need to know what my superpowers are. As soon as I heard about it, it it's like, sign me up. I need to know. I think the last one we talked about was penis power. (laughs) Penis power. (laughs) That I had this... Majestic, powerful thing with the penis. And she asked me if that resonated. I'm like, I'm not sure my husband would (laughs) agree with you. But I just felt really safe with her as well. And found myself telling her things I hadn't told anyone ever in my life. And she was talking about, well, what is being called for now is for you to really not silence or ignore that part of yourself the inner masculine or the yang energy however you want to identify it as but to really celebrate it it needs to be looked at and celebrated and so yeah i am i'm in the process now of what does that look like to me and really embracing my my penis power (laughs) Okay. I love that so much. And
1: also I think, I think there's so many good, rich layers to that. And one is so frequently when I talk to clients about how to price themselves or how to price a speaking engagement or what money to ask for I'm like you need to ask for with the confidence of a mediocre white man, because they're not a, afraid to ask for a lot of money or to go for a job that they don't really have all of the qualifications for or whatever. They they don't have the same conditionings of I'm not worth it or whatever. I shouldn't spend time on a podcast. I should be doing the dishes. I don't think that goes through most cisgender
0: white male brains. I don't, maybe, maybe not. I just know that the, the people I interact with and the cisgendered men that I have had the privilege of being in relationship with and knowing they're a lot more layered and have a lot more depth than I think society as a whole gives them credit for. So I have been really blessed in that way of coming across white men that have been really misaligned by the system. So I think definitely there is a stereotype there for a reason. But again, I I don't feel like my experience has completely resonated with that. But I think
1: that's a good thing. I think that that means actually even more so that the message matters. Of They would tell you to go for it they would mm, tell you to yeah. prioritize your own heart and well-being and that the dishes don't matter. If you are talking to a super supportive outside of the stereotype person they're going to say use that penis energy like take up <laughs> a- don't be afraid to speak up in a room your thoughts really matter and they're not going to own that airspace they're going to bow it to you which i think is the advocacy that i want to see on the part of so many is just if if you do have privilege to take up space how do you share that stage
0: i completely forgot what we were talking about
1: (laughs) i was gonna say i don't think you need to edit out really anything i mean whatever you're comfortable with obviously but i as a queer therapist in a time that again and i think you're what you're saying with the men that you have in your life is is true too that like i think we as a society are getting more permission to not be the tough guy that doesn't cry, but to show vulnerability and be a stay-at-home dad. And we are changing as a culture, what, which is good. So I want the stereotype that I'm referencing to not be true. Like, that's great.
0: Um, yeah. And I, I, I guess what it is, is that sometimes, especially, there's just been a lot of TV shows and cartoons where the dad... Instead of being portrayed as supportive and things like that, he is made out to be the dumbass, the the fool who has no brains and thinks only of himself and sitting on the couch, eating, and things like that. And I just don't feel like that is at all helpful to change the narrative. If you feel like that's what the everyday white man looks like, then Making fun of him, I honestly, I don't think that that's helping the situation because I think if it were me, all that would do is to trigger more defense mechanisms. (laughs) Right? I don't know. I just feel like there has to be a better way of, of helping men, white men, to be the people I know that they can be Rather than minimizing them or making fun of them, or trying to make them feel guilty for being who they are, they were—they can't help that they were born white men
1: either. When I referenced that, I really meant it as like embody that confidence. I, I, I know, but um, what I was gonna say, even with the pronouns, is. When I had talked to Holisticism about doing the community teaches, I was like, oh, I'm a queer therapist, but like, oh, you know, everybody knows about queer issues and everybody knows about pronouns. And they were like, not everyone does. It's just, people are afraid to ask because Okay, cool. So I asked. <laughs> so like, I think it is powerful that you ask because I think that so many people don't want to seem like they don't already know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, okay. I was on a little tantrum and yeah. I, let me just finish out my temper tantrum yeah, yeah, here on my, on my, my, my soapbox. Yeah. I've interviewed several people who identify as people of color and I love that. But one of the things that they've mentioned is that they feel very underrepresented underrepresented represented, especially in the spiritual community, and that it's dominated by white women. And know, hey, that's me, I'm a middle-aged white woman. But at the same time, I can't feel guilty for being that. So what I'm going to take from that is not feel guilty for being a middle-aged white woman, but I'm going to do what I can to leave the door open to use my podcast for people who identify as persons of color to come onto the podcast and share what they're doing and not try and shrink back, but rather just use whatever light I do have and whatever audience I do have to help everyone move forward. And so I think that um, there's just so many nuances to to navigating what the hell is going on because we want to be sensitive to everyone and what's going on around us and not be stuck in binaries or doing things a certain way because that's the way they've always been done. Um, So that for me, if there's a middle-aged white woman listening That's how I've been trying to navigate the way forward is to not shrink back and make myself smaller in this space, just because that's who I happen to be born as. But if I do have a privilege of being a white woman, I don't know, just leaving it open and free for other people to to make myself approachable, I guess. I don't know how I'm supposed to be saying this. Help me out, Katie.
1: (laughs) Yes, no, I, I think the important thing is to not be afraid to take up space and get on stage. It's just, can you make space to share at that stage? And also can you, acknowledge when you do misstep and own that and and move forward with that and teach others along the way because I think the the reason that the middle-aged white spiritual woman has gotten a bad rap in so many ways is because of a refusal to share the stage with anybody and the refusal to take accountability or acknowledge when they've been selling a story that isn't true. I mean, even I'm thinking of Rachel Hollis, the girl washed her face and all of the drama that's gone on around that. But even the, let me sell you really, really expensive relationship retreats and this idea of being the perfect couple while I'm actually going through a divorce. Not that it's bad to get a divorce, no judgment there, yeah, but it's, in there. <laughs> it's the dissonance. It's the saying, I, I can sell you this perfect story and not acknowledging the messiness of hard. it. Yeah. Life yeah. is weird and there's messy and there's complicated. And I think that what you're doing is you're acknowledging the messy and the complicated and you're making space to say it and own it and be like, I'm saying, I'm asking this question. And I know that it's kind of an uncomfortable question. And I think a lot of those teachers or the ones again that build the stereotype is that they don't make space for that they just pretend those things aren't there and they brush it under the rug and I think that's where the danger
0: lies okay well I appreciate you clarifying that for me because I didn't know exactly where this shade was coming from (laughs) I just knew I fit that like okay I check all those boxes (laughs) I'm in the you know, I'm white and middle-aged and I find myself thankfully in the spiritual community because there was a time where I, I wasn't in this space and I have found a lot of help and fulfillment and a lot of great things in here. <laughs> so I'm happy to be in this space. So that kind of yeah clears up where some of the hard feelings probably have shown up because yeah, anytime someone acts like they have it all together, I just know I don't resonate with them very well. And I would rather be in communion and uh, follow people who are keeping it real. So, so yeah. Yeah. I'm learning I mean, so much from today's conversation.
1: <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm like very interested how you're going to write this show description because I'm like, we have been all over the place,
0: but that's good okay so that brings me back to the ADHD the lady whose podcast I'm releasing either today or soon and this is what the 19th February 19th something around there we don't know but the one I'm releasing this week she identifies as squiggly brained ADHD and we really were all over the place and as I was going through our podcast and trying to Find out what was just really random rabbit holes that weren't helpful. And I got it down to like an hour and 40 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, has this broken a record? Maybe I need to like break it into two or just cut even more back. And I looked back, I'm like, oh no, there's been a couple others that are longer than that. So yeah, with her and I, we really did. I feel, She mentioned it. She's like, I think we're all over, all over the place. And I'm like, that's kind of normal for my podcast because I don't usually come to a conversation with questions written down, especially um, if I don't know a lot about the person or what it is that they do. I don't really feel a need to have questions written down because I want to approach it from... I'm completely dumb about this. What is it that you do? And how can I learn from you? So they are I'm impressed that you don't
1: get bamboozled, just to go
0: ahead and throw that one in there. Of,
1: of of that not knowing. Like you were walking in knowing so little. And I think that's really. Incredible to have that openness to whatever shows up. I want conversations like this to happen in the real world more. How do you just show up with curiosity and see what happens and just follow it wherever that takes us? Because I do think, like you said, that would break down a lot of barriers and assumptions if we just had these, like, I'm kind of going to spin the wheel and see who shows up in front of me. And more likely than not, it's going to be someone who doesn't share my primary identifiers.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in full transparency, there have been some people who have shown up on my screen and really did not resonate with them, and there was no chemistry, and there was nothing, and there were sometimes I wish I had had a few more questions <laughs> down. But for the most part, yes, it's just really trusting the universe that whatever is being arranged, it's like a beautiful blind date. And I know that whoever I'm coming into contact with has a fantastic story, something that's brought them from point A to where we're at today. And I want to know, I want to learn about it. And I think. I Okay. I will say growing up in school, I had several teachers tell me, you ask some really good questions. And that did not strike me as a compliment because, well, I mean, I knew they meant it as a compliment, but I was like, how does that help me at all? The fact that I ask good questions. I don't know the answer. If I knew the answers that would be the compliment to me like oh yeah i got this i know but just asking good questions like what makes a bad question versus a good question but now going into an interview it kind of does serve me well just being able to follow my curiosity and ask questions and i've learned that people are not so put off by questions as you might Think because, like, with some of the stuff that I've dealt with in my past, some of the trauma and baggage that I've hung on to in my mental health journey. I um, actually welcome people asking me questions about it. It helps me not feel so unseen and like, oh, wow, they want to know. And so I can tell them. And by me putting words to it, it helps me process it even further or at least realize what story I've been telling myself about something that I really want to change that. Like that's not, that's not a a story that I enjoy telling. And maybe, maybe I want to change this up a little bit. So yeah, I think I went off on another tangent.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, your tangents are only frustrating. And then I'm like, but I wanted to respond to four different parts of that because it was also beautiful, which is first off, that like, of course, asking good questions makes you a brilliant podcaster, but also that's so important for a spiritual journey to be able to ask questions and have curiosity and keep searching and not just take the first doctrine as truth that that is a gift. And how funny that you would end up reaching into the Ashkanic records. I hope I said that right.
0: Akashic. Akashic, Akashic. Yeah.
1: Because that's all about going in and asking. It is. You're so right.
0: Yeah. That's true. Which reminded me, as you were reflecting back to me, some of this stuff, my life path number is the number seven. Do you happen to know in numerology what your life path number is? I want to say that it's eleven. Okay.
1: But it's been a Sorry. while since I've dug at astrology. <laughs> I've been into human design recently, but Enneagram, I could tell you that one off the top of my what's, head. What's
0: your Enneagram?
1: My Enneagram is four.
0: Okay, do you want to take a guess at mine? <laughs> mm-hmm. Two? Um, No. That's another cool thing about the Enneagram, right? It is one of the few systems that I've come across that you get to say who you are. And I'm thinking as a queer therapist, you're all about that. Like, let's destroy other people telling you who you are. Let's let you describe yourself. And so the Enneagram is the one that, sure, there are unofficial quizzes and stuff to help you identify, but it really comes down to you. What are you? No one else can tell you. Whereas with your life path number, it's all about adding up the values to certain numbers etc <clears>
1: too <throat> i just i just googled it
0: <laughs> your life path number is a number 2 mm-hmm. <laughs> perfect i mean the number 2 is all about as far as i know like connection and relationships so I, I love that. My life path number is the seven and it's all about the, the seeker and the asking of questions. It's the number of the mystic. So as you were saying that stuff about asking questions and relating it to the Akashic records, I was like, oh yeah, number seven again, but going to the Enneagram, I identify as the one. But
1: okay, the achiever.
0: Yeah. Yep. I guess the part of the story that I've told myself that I'm, that I'm coming across that, wow, again, this is not a story that I that I want to continue to tell, is that it was not okay to be myself and it's not okay to make mistakes. I know people say, of course, you're going to make mistakes. That's human. But somewhere along the way, I was telling myself that it was not okay to be me. It was not okay to make mistakes. So I really identify with that one, with that Enneagram one energy of always needing to prove myself to be, to be lovable. I need to keep proving myself worthy, I guess. So yeah, the Enneagram was probably one of my very first contact points with spirituality outside of uh, my religious background. So the Enneagram was one of those eight ways <laughs> to the other side. Oh gosh. Tell, tell us about the Enneagram 4.
1: Enneagram because... 4, I would explain as the hopeless romantic or the emo kid in high school, which I was the emo kid in high school. Think so. <laughs> um, but just like, Big heart, creative energy, lots of familiarity with shadows. It's funny because somewhere, like you said, Enneagram, you self-identify, which is really cool. But also, as I've gotten older, I would say, if you asked me now what my Enneagram would be, it would be different because it would be more of one of the more achiever-esque numbers. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. But I read somewhere that your Enneagram is kind of set when you're like 16 years old. Don't remember where I read this. Don't know if I, if you believe it's true. Don't believe it's true. That's totally fine. But it made me realize that so much of not feeling like a four anymore, that gooey center that I identified it with. Was cultural, was like, okay, now I'm the person that does all of the things and I'm really good at my job and I get stuff done. And so I identify as, oh my gosh, whatever Enneagram number it is that does all of the things. Or I identify as the caregiver number two because I'm a therapist. But I was like, but really, at my core, the one I wanna feel like is still that four. I wanna go back to painting and writing bad poetry and wearing black eyeliner, and just being a teenager who doesn't, like, I'm good at fulfilling responsibilities, but it's not my core, and so I I thought that was a cool thing about Enneagrams, too, is it reminded me, or reading that phrase wherever I read it, reminded me of what's underneath, because I think other people's stories can clutter your own truth along the way they like you're good at this so this must be who you are
0: yes I love that I listen to a podcast I podcast because I like podcasts now that I'm thinking about it it was Lacey Free the same Lacey that I got my superpower reading from and in her podcast she was talking about how spirit impressed upon her that she needed to um, address a friend who would describe Lacey to other people as she does this or that and the friend didn't even mean anything bad about it but Lacey was kind of given the message hey I need to approach her and tell her not to tell those stories about her anymore it was just saying that it's really important not only the stories we tell ourselves but the stories that we allow others to tell about us At least the ones that you can control who are your friends. I mean, you can't change what other people say about you in the the media, but if they're your friend or family, you can intervene a little bit and say, Hey, the story that you're telling about me is not, it's not true. I like that too.
1: Another resource that I frequently recommend to people is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And depending on your comfort level with spirituality, it's got like very much that kind of AA spiritual overtone of reference to God or the universe that can be comfortable for some people, but not for other people. But it's got really great questions and exercises for what is your creative wounding and how do you get back to that childhood self and love, but also a couple of the exercises that came to mind as you were talking, one was creating a hall of champions in your mind of who are the people that would challenge your ideas around your worth and lift you up, whether they're husband, loved ones in your life, or, you know, in my brain, I always got like, Ellen DeGeneres, let's just dance. Mm -hmm. What are your icons of it's, it's okay. And I, I love you and support you unconditionally, especially if you didn't get that message growing up, how can you lean on that? And then also the self-compassionate letter to self. I love self-compassion. I love Christian Neff's work. She's definitely one of the
0: tools that I lean on the most. I have a book of hers, a workbook, I think. And I have the artist's way too on my shelf. I've I picked it up because I saw it, I was at Half Price Books, and I was like, oh, for any spiritual person, this is a must-have. I had heard it recommended a million times, and so it is on my bookshelf. I just have not gotten around to reading it, but yeah, I definitely, I need tools. I need tools to help me for the self-love, because what I've been realizing through various astrology apps, like the pattern and so forth, is that maybe it's the Scorpio rising energy that I have, but I may come across strong to some people. And that is like the furthest from the truth. <laughs> it's all mushy inside and overly sensitive. I have my cancer son and my feelings are all on my sleeve and there's really these opposite. <laughs> I think that I am being called to really integrate. Yep. I definitely need a hall of champions. So I will be reading the book. <laughs> Good.
1: And yeah, I mean, what, what are the messages that also you want to pass along to the next generation or to other people? Because I know that I think about that a lot of, again, it's okay to have dishes out if you want to paint right now let's paint right now let's follow that because I want to make sure to nurture for the next generation that it's it's good to express yourself and that you don't have to color in the lines all the time and you I hope we don't have the nine to five structure as rigid anymore life shouldn't just happen in the
0: margins I agree. And I also, it brings to mind another podcast episode that I have in queue that I will be releasing soon. She's another lady from Holisticism Hub and she is all about fashion. And I was like, thank the heavens you're here because I don't know anything about fashion and I want to look, I want to look good. (laughs) And so it was really neat having her on the podcast. We were talking about body image and I have, really white legs. And so I wear jeans. And she was talking about how her self-love story has looked like her wearing the shorts instead of the jeans. And I see that, I hear that. And I just told her that part of my self-love story is wearing the jeans. (laughs) Because it allow- it frees me up in so many ways. I told her for one, it allows me to not have to worry about, did I shave my legs? And that's a whole nother story too about beauty standards for women, but it allows me to just be myself and not have to even think about any of those things. If I just wear the jeans, I like jeans anyway, so it's not a huge thing, but that's what self-love looks like for me often. And so I was thinking when it comes to chores around the house or things that need to be done, that can also look like self-care. It it just depends in the moment. And that's checking in with yourself. Doing this laundry, is that actually taking care of me and my peace of mind? Because I want to be able to tap into the Akashic Records later. And I can't do that if I know my house (laughs) looks like a tornado. So it is, I think it's such a balance and I think if we just tap in more and train ourselves to listen we're able to hear what we need and sometimes that looks like folding the laundry and sometimes it looks like letting the laundry go an extra day and painting with your kid or whatever so I'm trying to do that more just check in with myself instead of looking externally for validation. Okay, I'm getting good feedback. This means this is what I should be doing or oh, I'm getting silence or, or not so much affirmation here. I need to not do that. I'm trying to listen more inside, like what feels good, what nourishes me and acting from that place. So just go back a couple, three dozen steps in our conversation it was interesting cause we were talking about the Enneagram and how we may feel like we have different flavors. It reminded me about the wings in mm-hmm. the Enneagram. I forgot about the wings. Yes, I'm
1: definitely a wing three, which is also the, again, like get her, get her done stuff. It's funny because I often relate it back to astrology too where I'm a sc- Scorpio sun, so again, mm. Moody romantic darkness is kind of Scorpio and I'm a Capricorn rising, which is kind of like the wing three, which is good work ethic, very organized get
0: things done so I think all of these systems play well with each other they They do they really do. I had a podcast episode about not finding my one thing and it's about how I've been going from one thing to the next, hoping that something will be the fit and I'll be like, oh yeah, this is what I was born to do. I'm good at it and I can help people. This is where I need to be. And the messages I kept getting from Akashic record readings and so forth was that I'm meant to dabble and I'm just accumulating a toolkit and maybe I'll have my own thing that I make from these things. And this is interesting because I did a numerology session and this lady is so fantastic. She's so supportive. She's like done a session for me and everything else that I've offered. She had gotten a Akashic record reading from me. She had gotten a human design reading for me. And so when I was able to do the numerology reading, for her, I already knew in the back of my mind everything else that I had done for her. I'm like, oh my gosh, it does. It fits together so beautifully. And I did not see myself going forward doing just one thing without being able to bring in certain aspects from these other modalities because they work so beautifully together. They're so supportive. And that was off topic. <laughs>
1: But I I resonate with that because one of the things that I like about self-help books is even if it's the same message over and over again, you never know when it's going to hit differently because it's a different voice or it's a different Mm. time in your life where you can hear it and receive it better. When I explain who I am as a therapist, I often say I primarily identify as narrative. My toolkit tends to look like mindfulness and self-compassion work, depending on your comfort level, I might reference whatever, full moon ceremonies. If you're not spiritual, you're not into that stuff, I won't. If you're really logical, I'll bring in cognitive behavioral therapy worksheets. If you are more like body-based, I'll bring in more somatic. I try to match what you need because you are different. Not every client is going to love the same things or use the same thing. Some people like homework, some people don't. And it sounds like you're building your toolkit of, okay, I'm seeing what you need and for you... I think this piece of information would really resonate or this stuff might be n- not a match for where you're at right now. So maybe we look at something more external. Maybe we draw a tarot card or something. It sounds like you're you're building an adaptive toolkit. Oh, I different. love
0: pulling the cards too. I'll do that for my Patreon group. When it comes to the new moon and the full moon, I'll do a personalized draw for them because it's just fun. And so as long as it's fun, I'll keep doing it. But it reminds me of a Instagram post by P the fairy. She has a large following and a part of the reason that she's so dynamic is her authenticity and her transparency. And she did a, it was either TikTok or an Instagram reel, but it was talking about, sometimes I worry that I will run out of things to say. And then I realized that I just have to keep saying the same thing over and over again. But, you know, in a slightly different way or in my own words, I can't say exactly the way she did it. But it was just that you never have to be afraid of not being relevant anymore because it's going to be relevant no matter if you say the same thing over and over again. Because timing, like you said, timing, environment, voice, it all matters. And it brought to mind something like a week and a half ago in human design. Speaking of which, remind me when I'm done with this thought to tell me what your your profile is, okay? But I have a completely open solar plexus in my human design chart and hearing Karen Curry Parker talking about what that meant. It was an aha moment, a light bulb. And I'm like, this is ridiculous because I know I've heard this same thing a billion times up to this point. But somehow when she said it or the words that she used or the attitude I was in, how receptive I was, it just landed differently. And and I was able to really take it in and and feel the truth of it. I'm like, holy cow, this is, yeah, it blew my mind. But
1: mm -hmm. I agree with you. I love, I love reading her Book and her stuff. She's, yeah, got a beautiful way of articulating things. And you didn't mention what, what type
0: you are. Oh, okay. So in human design, I am a three five splenic projector. Okay. So
1: I'm also a projector. I can't remember what my numbers are. I know I'm a hermit heretic. I know are the words, but I don't remember what numbers that they are.
0: Okay. I think the hermit is the two and the heretic is the five. So we both share the uh, five energy.
1: One of the things that I found to be the most powerful with human design, and it's such a weird thing to refer clients to, but I often do, because for projectors, I'm also a projector, I think it is so powerful to have something give you permission to not be able to work all the time because our society is very much like you need to work all the time. Your worth is tied up to productivity. Productivity means making money. You must do all of the things. It's a very straight line. And so having something say, no, you should really work no more than like four hours a day. You really need to rest a lot. You can get a lot done in a short amount of time, but then you need to rest and you need to really rest. And part of your power comes from that rest so you can show up those four hours with such brilliance and I realized that you know I used to work in community mental health I'd see eight clients in a day I was constantly giving and not refilling my own cup and now that I'm in private practice and I see no more than five people a day but I find that those other hours even if it's a TikTok rabbit hole I find these amazing ADHD resources that explain concepts in such clear, visual, applicable ways Mm -hmm. that I didn't have before because I'd have to send a long flyer or a help guide. TikTok's such a great resource, but I think realizing and reframing that, yeah, I spent three hours reading about human design and now that's serving future clients that are beating themselves up because they can't work all the time. Even our rest is in service and I need to stop seeing it as the only time that it counts is if you're making money because it all, it all comes back out. We just don't always know how or when, but again, the powerful thing with human design was the permission to not work so much and still see that as, in alignment with what is best for me, but also for my community and the people I serve and the people I love.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. So as a projector, what is your authority?
1: Oh my gosh, you're asking all these detailed questions. You like know, you don't dabble in things, you know, a lot of depth in a lot of different things. Oh my
0: gosh. Let me see if I can pull up my human design chart. I just, I I find it really interesting because with the splenic authority that I have, it's really quiet and in the moment and how it's described is that it speaks once and it's gone. It kind of reminds me in biblical terms, like that still small voice. (laughs) You have to listen in the moment because after that it's gone. And it's like, wow, how helpful is that? (laughs) Like you you need to be able to, Access that again, but it's tapping in, in the moment to listen to what is your spleen, your gut, uh, your intuition telling you. And some other people, if they have like their solar plexus defined, their emotional projector, the solar plexus makes itself known. It's louder because it's emotions. I've had so many incredible
1: human design readers. They would be so sad that I can't just like, Uh. out of my head, but-
0: so you are a self-projected projector, an SPP, okay, <laughs> which means you're magical. And I'm so glad I'm getting the opportunity to talk about this because I have a friend who is also a self-projected projector. And basically what it means, you probably already know, but in order to know your truth, you actually have to say, you just have to talk and you'll hear yourself saying the things that yes, that's actually, that's what, that's what's true for me. I believe that. That is my truth. One of my friends, she had been hearing from outside sources or these teachers that were telling her that she needed to filter herself. And I mean, I guess I can see how self-projected projectors, they need to even be more careful because their insight is even more penetrating than, than another uh, projector even, but I did not agree. She needed to quiet her voice because I'm, I'm like, you need to ramble. That's the way that you know your truth and yeah, talk. Maybe these human design teachers are just telling you not to talk to the wrong people. Maybe you need to be talking to the people who will allow themselves to be sounding boards. Um, I raised my hand. You know, i I'm willing to ramble to me. I would love to be able to serve you in that way by being a sounding board so that you can know your truth by talking, but you need to talk. So does any of that ring true for you as a self-projected projector?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that resonates on a couple of different layers. One is with the projector, the waiting to be invited, because sometimes you can say, like you said, your energy can be penetrating. You can say things people aren't ready to hear unless they're, they are making space for that. But the other, you're right. Now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what my human design reader said. But also I'm, like I said, playing around with this new Business idea because I just I really love working on people's websites and helping them craft their stories and their abouts and their offerings and it's just it's really fun for me. Also, I'm one of the human design types where I can just tell you what aesthetically it it should be. It's just like no, and that can be really helpful for generating types that otherwise are like there's so many options and I'm like oh but you just you should go with this one. This is the right thing for you. It matches your vibe. Can't you tell it? It matches your energy whatever. Anyway, I messaged my uh, human design friend yesterday with a voice memo, because it's easier to do voice memos. And I was like, okay, so I want to do a new name. And I'm debating between this name and this name and this name. And these are the taglines I was thinking, what do you think? And then after doing that, I couldn't remember one of the taglines I said, so I replayed it. And I was like, oh, well, it's that one, because that one sounds true. And of course, I text this to my human design reader friend and she's like well that's so funny of course because I was going to tell you you should play your voice memo back Mm. and you'll know what is true there you go because you hear your truth out loud so like listen to yourself in the asking for me and you'll know and so I I find actually voice memos are really helpful for me to work through things Mm -hmm. because I can kind of meander and then test against myself what felt the most true in alignment when I said it out loud. But for the most part, it's just to me or to other trusted entrepreneurs that also we travel our own paths as we figure things out. So it's not...
0: I don't know, off-putting
1: in a way that it might be to other people that would be like, why did you take me on that long rambling journey? Oh, this is how I figure things out. It's fine.
0: Yeah, you were talking about human design being a permission slip. And I think I used those exact words on my human design page for my website. That's why I fell in love with human design, because I was always trying to make myself like something else or wondering why... I felt like I was following the formula for success and just was never getting that projector recognition <laughs> that I needed, which leads to bitterness. And I was becoming very bitter about it. But yeah, so I loved the permission step of just being myself and figuring out I need to wait to be invited. And I've been practicing. I'm probably I'm not, I know, I was about to say maybe. I know I have not perfected it. But even with my husband, I will try to not really even give my opinion. The old me would have been like, but that's my husband. That's my partner. I should be able to give my thoughts and opinions. And then the human design informed me is like, by me being a sounding board, that is me being supportive and I know from track record, even if I do spit out my my words of wisdom, it's not going to be acted upon and I'll just be bitter because of it. So I need to just wait to be recognized. And in the meantime, show that, how did you say it? That unconditional positive regard. <laughs> Carol Rogers. That whole part about waiting for the invitation. At first it was like, oh my gosh, that it really sucks. No one wants to wait. But as you described it, waiting looks like you following your passion on your own time. Me waiting means I get to research all the things that fire me up, that light me up. I can look into human design. I can look into numerology and astrology and listen to podcasts and, and different things like that. That's what waiting can look like that's the sexy part of waiting i mean i think at first we just hear waiting we're like oh nothing about our fast food society tells us that waiting is cool no you needed to have it yesterday or in the moment
1: well and like you said waiting isn't inactive i need to wait for an invitation but I'm in a community where people put out (laughs) invitations, Invitations, Friday, So it's like, okay, great. I'm in the place where I can accept this invitation and see where that takes me.
0: Yeah, that occurred to me as a projector, even with these free offering Fridays on Holisticism Hub, should I be (laughs) putting it out there? Because that's not me waiting for the invitation, but It kind of is is as well,
1: because four things every Friday, they're saying, what do you have that you can offer? And you're answering that call.
0: Right. And still, and people have the opportunity to check me out first before they, before they say yes. So yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Katie. (laughs) I appreciate it. it.
1: I'm sure I could just like chat with you all day, but shouldn't, but
0: lovely. It is definitely lovely and I appreciate you uh, being willing to explain things to me and not write me off as, <laughs> I feel like you said, more conversations need to be had and I think more people are willing to answer questions than we, we might think. So mm-hmm. I've said this in another in a podcast, that I feel like there's this expectation in a googleable society where everything you can put it in a search engine that it you shouldn't have to ask other people but that's how we learned for so many centuries is we, we we had a tribal community that's how we learned and became elegant in skills is that we were in community with other people and getting context that you might not necessarily learn from reading an article I don't know. So I'm just encouraging listeners to go out and have more conversations.
1: Yes, I think that's a beautiful note. All right, well, anything in closing that you wanted to say? I think in closing, finding more avenues to understanding your own story and like you said also find your superpowers even in things you didn't think were your superpowers like being a projector and being like I can only work four hours but I'm supposed to work nine being like no rest is so revolutionary and I grow through my rest and I connect through my rest and that serves me in the work that I do those reframing And re-ownership of stories is so powerful. And I think your podcast, you're connecting people to a lot of different ways of understanding themselves and reframing those stories. And so I think that's beautiful. I think therapy is beautiful. I think all of the spiritual things, finding ways where you can give yourself love, give yourself understanding is all magic.
0: Thank you so much, Katie. And I'm sure we'll be connecting soon. So bye for now.